I hope that by now, something's stirring in you saying, Ron, what's happening in the world right now is bigger than anything we've ever seen. I need to understand it. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Finding and knowing God is a faith walk. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our hope lies in the coming Messiah, who will establish God's peaceful kingdom on earth. This is Faith Walk with Ron Susan. Dr. Ron is an evangelist committed to encourage and equip your faith walk as we pass through these turbulent end-time days awaiting that soon-coming kingdom. Here again is Ron Susan. You are right, my friend. We really appear to be banging on the end-time door. The birth pangs that Jesus gave us, ten birth pangs as predictions to look for, are happening around us all the time right now. So you don't need to look very far to discover that we appear to be right on the doorstep of the end-time events. But in these end-time events, Jesus gave us a commission. And this is the commission that we are trying to fulfill along with many others, and that is this. Jesus said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the nations of the world, and then the end will come. We are so looking forward to that end, because until then, it's going to get pretty ugly, pretty bloody, pretty murky. In Revelation chapter 17, let's begin there. If you've got a Bible, turn in your Bible. If not, take notes, and you can look this up later. But I'm going to show you, first of all, in chapter 16, it's where we find this word Armageddon, which means the gathering place. So Armageddon is not necessarily a place that we can identify. We think we know where the battlefield might be here or there. We don't know for sure because it's a place that is not identified. But here's what we read in chapter uh, 16 of the book of Revelation. And verse 15, Behold, I am coming like a thief, Jesus speaking. Blessed is the one who stays awake, keeping his garments on, that he may not go about naked and be seen exposed. Verse 16, And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. Now. Stay with me on this. Stay with me on this because I, I've had one person really vehemently object to what I'm about to say. And that is that Babylon is identified in the Bible as a great whore. Now, what does that mean? This person was very upset because they, she came to me after a meeting where I was speaking and she said, Babylon was a great empire great people. They did great things. And I said, well, I'm not talking about Babylon, the city, or the nation. She wasn't getting that in her head. Babylon is three things. It started off as a city, then it became a nation, then became an empire. I said three things. I should have said four things, because the fourth thing is Babylon went from being an empire to a global philosophy. And it reigns to this day. And when the Bible talks about this great whore, Babylon, being brought down, it's not talking about the city, not talking about the nation. 
It's talking about that global thought pattern, belief system of Babylon. It's called Babylon. So I, I gladly hold that out there because the Bible teaches it very clearly. Now, what is this Babylon? We read in chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. Pause there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there was sexual involvement, but understand you're, you're looking at figurative language. You're talking about people becoming one with the whore, one with her belief system, doing, trying to run the world her way. And they became drunk with that. And he carried me in the spirit to the wilderness, and I, I saw a woman sitting on the scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had been seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. And on her forehead was written a name of mystery, quote, get it now, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes and of earth's abominations. She's the mother of our world system, the mother that now teaches the nations how to conduct themselves in a way of abominations. She's fully responsible for that. Now, obviously, this is more than just a human thing. This is a satanic-powered philosophy. Satan is known as the prince and the power of the air. Yes, he has power in powerful influence. And yes, he has sold the nations on a bill of goods that says, there can be no nation like Israel once was, with God as their God and their king and their Lord and their master, and a man like Samuel going between God and the people. It's called a theocracy. You better believe it. There's nothing more beautiful than a true, pure theocracy with the right God. And Israel enjoyed that. And then Israel made the fatal blunder, the fatal blunder of saying, we want a king like all the other nations. We want to look like them. And from that day to this, Babylon has been able to have the upper hand with nations, and we have never seen one nation swim to the top yet, declaring God as the Savior, the King, and the Lord of their nation. Now, America had a marvelous shot at that, and I'm not, I can't take the time in this program to go into the, the details of this, but in 1620, America, America had her shot at building herself as a modern-day exhibit of the blessing that comes when a nation truly makes God their king, lord, president, the head of the nation, not fictitiously, not in a a dismissive way, but literally seeking his counsel on every decision that is made. Then, because we did not do that, we are witnessing today the horrible aftermath of the growing teeth of Babylon that has gripped the hearts of our many of our political leaders. 
that have really guided this nation onto dangerous waters. I hope that you are becoming a member of my one in a million team. What is that? I'm not asking you to join an organization. I'm asking you to stay in the church where you are. I'm asking every pastor and every bishop and every patriarch and every believer on earth to join me, become part of this team that we're calling Faith Walk. What, what is our goal? Our goal is to equip and encourage one million Christians worldwide to bring an average of 100 people to salvation in their lifetimes. Now, you may only be able to bring one, a husband, a wife, a son or daughter, or you may be able to bring a thousand. But if we average 100 apiece, we will get a 100 million people out of the hands of Satan, out of the grip of hell and into the glory of heaven. Think about that. I'm going to jump down in Revelation chapter 17 because I want you to see verse 15. It's so critical. And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw where the, prost where the prostitute is seated are peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the bee shall hate the prostitute. Pause there. Now, did you get what it was saying? It just said, that the waters that he saw are the nations, America, China, England, you name it, every nation is under the rule and the reign and influence of this prostitute. But here's what's interesting. The day is rapidly coming when the nations are going to be so sick to the gut of the disturbance she is. She only boils up wars and pain and suffering and financial ups and downs, and, and all kinds of havoc. Why? Her author, Satan, is a murderer and a liar. You're not going to get something good out of him. You're not going to get something good out of her. And the nations are going to come to hate her. Watch out, Babylon. The nations are going to come to hate you, and they're going to be doing something about it. In verse 16, then the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts. God has put it in their hearts. You got that, didn't you? God has put it in their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing her uh, over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw in the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. There you have it. There you see God coming down on this prostitute called Babylon that has influenced the nations. Listen, you know what I'm talking about. You know the man. I'm, gonna get, I'm not going to get into names. I'm not interested in tearing down people. But you know that there was a man who had a sexual orgy farm on an island, and uh, when he finally came to the end of his career, was killed in prison. And uh, somewhere there's a log with names of pretty famous people who visited there to engage in all kinds of sensuality. But more than just sensuality was taking place, the scrambling of the mind about how to govern was taking place. 
until we have the weakest minds on earth, just as it was in the day of Hezekiah, of Isaiah. Nothing new under the sun. But we have very weak-minded men with lacking conviction, lacking a, a, a sense of uh, uh, a, a right uh, compass, a moral compass. They're not focused on the North Star. They just don't get it. They are trying the most wild-eyed, insane things, not only in the political arena, but in our academic arena, until our youth have no idea who or what they are. Well, you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I know I'm not nailing down names. I don't want to do that. That's, that's, they, they're going to have to answer to God. I'm talking about what they are doing. And that's what you're reading here. And finally, the day's coming when you, not only you who are righteous, but you who have no time for God, or you're going to get so sick of this when you see your daughter being scrambled in her mind and or your son getting an egg beater in his mind, turning him into not being sure what he is or who he is. Or, uh, my friend, the world is going to get so sick of this at some point. When we see very bizarre people running around, we, we see them already, but it's going to increase. You're going to start to hate this prostitute. And you will participate in bringing her down. God's going to bring her down. Verse 18 talks about this great collapse of the prostitute. And it's a beautiful picture. In verse 18, verse 1, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority. And the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean detestable beast. For all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Pause there. We're talking about more than just having sex. We're talking about selling humans. That's going on today. We're talking about corrupt business practices. We're talking about stealing. We're talking about overpricing. We're talking about a government taxing the life out of its people to do what it wants to do, not what the people want to do. We are talking about all forms of corruption. It's going to be totally melt, melted down by an angel of God. And the scene's going to get pretty tragic because we read in verse 4 these words. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Pause there. Have you come out of this world of Babylon? Or are you still wallowing in the sensuality of this world? Financial luxuries, sexual luxuries, food luxuries, entertainment luxuries. Are you still lost and drunk? Be you a politician, be you a businessman, be you an educator, whoever you may be. Are you still stumbling from pillar to post drunk over the sensuality of Babylon? Well, my friend, if you are, you have a very dim future. 
You are as bad as a drunk who thinks his answer is in the next bottle of whiskey. It's not. Nor is yours. We find the command. If you want to do something about it, begin right here. Come out of her. Come out of her. Part Stop participating in it. You don't have to be part of a lie. You don't have to be part of a money scheme. You don't have to participate in sexual immorality. You don't have to go to the theaters to watch vile, filthy movies that stir your your sex glands. You don't have to go to the ball fields where beer is spilled on your shirt all the time. You don't have to do these things. It is time, my friend, that we stop living for the flesh and we begin to learn the joy, the freshness, the beauty of living under the Spirit of God. Oh, my friend, I remember when I was young, teachers making fun of the Puritans. Oh, yeah. They were holier than thou, and so they made fun of them in movies. Let me tell you something. I've read books written by Puritans that they were very straight talking about sex. They weren't, they weren't, they weren't prudish. They really analyzed life. They had a handle on something very good and very strong, and they built the foundation of a nation that really went high. Now you're living in the corruption that is melting her down. And now you want to say the Puritans didn't have something? No, we're the ones who lost it. They had something. Let me give you one pragmatic illustration of what I'm talking about. Have you heard of the law of possession? What, what it means is this. When the Puritans came to America, I'm sorry, the law of discovery, not possession, the law of discovery. When the Puritans came to America, they, they negotiated with the Indians. We need that piece of land, and no one's living on it. Can we negotiate an agreement? And so when Thanksgiving came, there were more Native American Indians there than white Puritans and pilgrims because they had such a good relationship because justice was served. Then came the evil strand from England and Europe, and they inflicted the law of discovery. If you find a piece of land that is empty, nobody's living on it, it's yours. That was in the foundation of a lot of the wars between the Europeans and the Indians, and we were to blame. Why? Because we thought that, <laughs> we arrogantly thought, we can just take over this continent ourselves, it's ours, we have the power to defeat these Indians. We even put them on reservations that couldn't house them, and they were starving to death. We did that. Now, I'm not in any way saying we got to go back and get that all straightened out. We've had groups apologize to the Indians, and wonderfully so. You cannot change that. God's going to deal with it. But here's what you can do. You can come out from among them and serve justice today. I have a lawyer friend up in North Dakota who's not a wealthy man today for one reason. He gave himself to bring justice to Indians and other groups that could not afford a lawyer. And he won some great cases. 
land right cases, water right cases. My friend, if we do not begin to bring Babylon down, God's going to collapse her. And, and listen, you better not be in that building when it's collapsed or you go out with it. That's why the Bible warns you right here in Revelation 18, come out from among her, O my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed, as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. There you have it, my friend. You decide. You and I are not going to change this world. The Messiah will do that. But you and I better change our hearts. We better come out from among Babylon at all cost. Far better that you live a poor person in righteousness to be rewarded of God than a wealthy person in unrighteousness to be judged and destroyed by God. When Babylon comes down, and she's coming down, the handwriting's on the wall. Can't you smell it in the air? Can't you see what's happening? This world is ready to choke itself to death. Come out from among her. No matter who you are, where you are, do it now. I want to give you a prayer. Let's stop right here. I want to give you a prayer. Because maybe you're in a motel room, hotel room, at home. Maybe you're listening by podcast. Pull off the highway. Let's get serious. I want to give you a prayer. Let's begin with God. Let's get this turned around for you personally. I'm going to give you a prayer. Pray this after me. Think it through. Make this your prayer. Dear God, on the basis that Jesus died for me, I'm trusting your forgiveness for all my sins. I'm asking you for the power to live committed to you, obedient to your will, from now until I meet you in heaven. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, I'm going to tell you exactly what was happening. Whether you know it or not, I'm sure you did not experience this, but I'm telling you what happened. God literally lifted your sins from you and carried them back 2,000 years and nailed them to the cross of Jesus Christ. And he separated you from your sins, according to the Bible, as far as the east is from the west. That's infinite. They never come together. You'll never hear about your sins again. God puts them out of his mind to bring them to recall no more. He buries them in the deepest sea. You are now declared by God, not because of something you did, but because the faith you placed in Jesus' death of the cross to take your sins away. Now God declares you holy and blameless. You say, Ron, how can that be? I don't feel holy. I didn't ask you how you feel. I'm telling you what God said. He declares you holy and blameless. 
But Ron, I did these things, yes, and Jesus took the penalty, the price, washed them away. You are free of that penalty. You are blameless. Wow. It's only sane to come out from Babylon and get rid of that filth and that junk and the guilt and the fear and all the diseases that go with it and to walk with the living God in Jesus Christ. Oh, what freedom and what joy and what peace and delight that is. So come out from among Babylon. Get out of there. You might have to get your kids out of the Babylonian schools where they're teaching some crazy, insane stuff. And teach them at home the ways of God, the things that are pure and holy and good and lovely that, that build your life, that give you a strong mind and a strong character and a strong, sturdy soul that you know who you are and what you are. Now, the Bible tells us very clearly, now that you're holy and blameless, walk therein. Let me illustrate that. What if you would run for the presidency and you win? And you realize when you step into the Oval Office, you're not ready for this job. There are, there are aspects you never thought about. But you're now the president. You're holy. You're blameless. But in God's book, you, you're the president. You've been voted in. You have that title. Now walk worthy of your calling. Just as you have to adjust to the reality of your purpose as a president, walk worthy of the reality of being a child of God. Let me know you made that decision. God bless you and always remember Emmanuel. God is with you. Now, Dr. Ron has been talking to us about the end time days and wants us to prepare for the coming kingdom. And he has written a book titled The Assyrian Prophecy that is a missing part of the end times puzzle. And he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Write, for these words are true and faithful. The world is not ending. God is preparing a new world soon to begin. An ancient nation thought lost to extinction is soon to rise anew to prepare for that day. Isaiah identified this nation in a prophecy that has been hidden in plain sight for some 2,700 years. Its name is Assyria. My new book, The Assyrian Prophecy, reveals how Assyria will join with Israel and Egypt to bless the world under the soon-coming Messiah. Amid today's chaos, God is searching for righteous people through whom He will bring the prophecy to completion. When you reach the end of this book, one question will be in your mind. Lord, what would you have me to do? You can learn more at theassyrianproject.org. This has been Faith Walk with best-selling author, pastor, and evangelist, Ron Susek. If you would like to know more about Dr. Ron and our mission, visit our website at faithwalk.org. We're certain you appreciate Dr. Ron's straightforward teaching of God's Word, along with his strong invitation to find salvation through Christ. But he needs your help in spreading the gospel to the far reaches of the world. Join our team by going to faithwalk.org and clicking on Partner With Us. Thank you for your gift to help Dr. Ron in building lives by advancing the teaching of God's Word through the programs of Faithwalk. 
You may never know until heaven whose lives you've impacted somewhere around the world. So please accept and enjoy your copy of The Assyrian Prophecy as our personal thank you for standing with us at Faith Walk. Well, thanks for being with us today, and we hope you'll join us again next week as we find courage for the journey in our Faith Walk.
Years ago, when I was a student in Washington, D.C., I was attending a church that President Lyndon Baines Johnson was attending. And one Sunday, I thought, I would love to tell him that I'm praying for him. So I followed him out of the church at the end of the service. And soon he was by his limousine, surrounded by a small group of people. And I went down and made my way up to him, and I took him by the arm, and I began to say, Mr. President, I'm praying for you. And suddenly, I was surrounded by Secret Service agents, and they put him in the limousine. He was zoomed away, and I stood there so embarrassed. Why? Because I was too young and naive to know that when you approach someone with authority, you need to do it properly. The same is true of God. When you come to God, worship Him, honor Him, praise Him, exalt Him. Come to Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross to make it possible for you to approach God. And my friend, He wants to receive you. He loves you.
America had her shot at building herself as a modern-day exhibit of the blessing that comes when a nation truly makes God their King, Lord, President, the head of the nation, not fictitiously, not in a, a dismissive way, but literally seeking his counsel on every decision that is made. Then, because we did not do that, we are witnessing today the horrible aftermath of the growing teeth of Babylon that has gripped the hearts of our many of our political leaders that have really guided this nation onto dangerous waters. Join us for this episode of Faith Walk. Watch or listen by going to faithwalk.org.